Welcome to Ganjapreneur, helping Ganjapreneurs grow and succeed in every sector of the cannabis industry. Ganjapreneur will introduce you to the cannabis pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Learn about the shifting landscape of the market directly from the experts and get to know some of the leading minds in the industry as they tell their story of struggles and success. Now, CannabisRadio.com presents Ganjapreneur. Hi there, and welcome again to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Los. The Gontrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly with entrepreneurs, growers, product developers, and herbalists, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients everywhere. Today, my guest is Tyler Markwart, and we will be talking about genetically engineered cannabis strains. Tyler Markwart is founder of Allele Seeds Research, an American cannabis biotech company. He's grown and bred cannabis in warehouses, homes, and outdoors for both the commercial and early medical markets for over 20 years. Tyler studied organic agriculture and philosophy at Washington State University and produced award-winning research while working in WSU's Molecular Plant Science Laboratory. His techniques are often referred to in books for growers, the New York Times, and other publications. He's also a syndicated journalist and photographer with High Times Magazine, The Northwest Leaf, Ladybud, and Culture Magazine. He's here today because he's an outspoken proponent of genetic engineering of cannabis. Welcome, Tyler. Hi, Shango, and thank you very much for having me on the show today. Glad you can make it. You know, at the outset, I want to be really clear about what we mean about genetic engineering and GMO for today's show. There's a wide-ranging abuse of the term when reading the internet. When we say genetic engineering during the show today, we are not referring to a simple, to simple selective breeding and hybridization that humans have been doing for over 10,000 years. We're talking about specifically inserting a foreign gene into a cannabis plant to get specific results. Is that a pretty good working definition, Ty? Yeah, that's pretty good. It depends on who you talk to in the world of genetics or outside of the world of genetics. You'll get a different answer on what a GMO is and, and what genetic engineering is. But at the base of what we're looking at today, we're going to talk about inserting foreign genes. That's transgenic. So removing one gene from one species, whether it's a plant or an animal, into another, specifically transgenics. When we have other things like mutations from radiation or chemical mutations, those are not transgenic but they are also genetically modified organisms. So I only know of one example of this. I'm sure you know a lot, but you know, I'm into aquariums. They took a, a gene from a jellyfish and put it in a zebra danio to make them fluorescent and glow in the dark or rather glow under a black light. And so that was, that's the only one I know of. Can you give me another example of bringing of a different plant or animal and putting it into a, a different uh, species for transgenics? Yeah, there's a lot that's being done in the laboratory. There isn't a lot that's being released out into the market, for say, for commercial use and, and whatnot so far. The idea is you could remove the cold-resistant genes from a salmon and put it into a plant, allowing that plant to exhibit better growth conditions under freezing temperatures or, or near freezing temperatures. And so one of the biggest things that we're looking at is basically the ability to enhance growing capabilities making them more efficient. What is the goal of all of this? I know people are upset about the idea of genetic engineering about their food, and then, and then we bring this to cannabis, which totally freaks out a lot of the cannabis enthusiasts. But you, know, you are constantly you know, hailing this as something that's gonna be very good for cannabis. So, so you know, what's the goal of all of this? What are you hoping to gain by uh, having success through this? 
the the goal main goal is research and knowledge and wisdom and all the information we can pull from understanding the plant pathways better. Uh, genetics covers a wide variety of different things from plant pathology all the way down to how sing individual cells work and their functions operate. So we can actually take a look and we can better our own knowledge of humans by understanding plant pathways because we share similar pathways in, in each other. When it comes to cannabis, what we can do is we can actually target certain things as such as uh, developing medicines for people. So if there's a certain profile of cannabinoids and terpenes that we know works really good for multiple sclerosis or other for ALS or anything like that, we can then target certain genetics and we can tag them and say, okay, these certain genes, which basically is like a computer code, uh, we can take those genes and we can test for them every single time and say these plants have those sets of genes and they have a better chance of having the outcome that we're looking for in the end. Now, there's also something that goes hand in hand with that. Genes, just because you have the set of genes that produces that doesn't particularly mean you're going to produce that desired result. And that re desired result can change in the way a gene is enhanced or expresses itself. So if you express yourself really loudly, people are going to hear you. The plant genome expresses itself really loudly. You may see purple color in the flowers. You may smell grapes or smell bananas. So it also touches on a bunch of other things, too, with genetic engineering. It, it hits really two main people when we want to talk about it. The growers, and it, it also hits the end consumer at the same time. So the grower is looking for, to be profitable. That, that's mainly their goal, is so that they can have another season to be able to plant another round of crop and, and live and pay their bills like every other, everybody else. Some growers obviously have more intentions for medical benefits than others, so that's obviously great. But in the long run, they, everybody needs to be able to pay the, their light bill if they want to grow indoors. Now, the, the consumer in the long run is looking for a good quality product at a low cost that they can con continue to get at a regular consistency. So when you combine all these together, what we're really looking for is sustainability. And that's what these genetic engineering is allowing us to do, is actually to become more sustainable by using less nutrients, making plants more efficient, understanding how plants operate. So once we get a better understanding of that genetic pathway, we can learn about how applying other natural chemicals like insect frass to the plant will help it reduce its infestation against powdery mildew and other things. So it sounds like people a lot of different people could benefit from genetic engineering just depending on what the particular researcher wanted to focus in on. Yeah, and really it comes down to what's the end result? What are you looking for in the end? Because it's the same thing what we do with breeding practices. So if you have two plants, let's say purple kush, and you have super silver haze, if your end result has, is to have a hybrid of those two plants where they exhibit the, the high from the super silver haze, but the growth characteristics from the purple kush, you're designing a plant at the end. So you're genetically engineering the outcome. Now with selective breeding, you're just, you're taking that, it's taking much longer. When you go into the laboratory and you use processes like double haploid engineering, where you're basically taking one half of the genome and copying it, reduced six to nine generations of selective breeding into one generation of breeding. So you can get products to the market faster, which in the case of people like MS patients, ALS patients who are degrading every single day in their disease, this helps them address that much quickly. 
and that's where the rub is, right? I mean, the, the pushback that people have to genetic engineering is because it does happen so much quicker. I mean, traditional hybridization is done generation over generation, so it evolves out more slowly. And so you can do additional testing, and you can see how the plant is reacting, and the whole thing is, is just a slowed down process. Whereas when you're inserting something in the genome and it only takes one generation it happens fast so what can you tell us about testing for genetic engineered cannabis i mean how, what would that look like and because you know the safeguards are what people are really concerned about and, and causing the pushback uh yeah and i guess it, it really comes down to what are you concerned about in in your cannabis as far as genetic engineering goes and a lot of it comes to mass hysteria a lot of people who are against genetic engineering or against GMOs don't really have a good handle on the technology. It, and the reason being is it's really, really, really difficult subject to understand. I've been studying it for just a short period of time of maybe five to eight years. And during that time period, I still don't have an awesome grasp on what exactly is happening compared to people who've been studying it for 60 years. As we go along and we start getting a better understanding, we start understanding, I mean, prior to me going to Washington State University, I was strictly organic. I grew up on a conventional farm where my grandparents used uh, uh, pesticides, they used Roundup Ready corn, and they, they did all that. And then I, as a teenager, went to the strictly organic camp and was like, no GMOs, blah, 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 none of that, that's all horrible. And I progressed into going to the lab at WSU where I got a real education on what was happening and I was able to get a better understanding of the technology. And it really is difficult to have a discussion with people when they just continue to say, hey, GMOs are bad. And it's like, well, we have to sit there and, and discuss what actually a GMO is, and then we break out. And it's, it's very difficult to get past that when there's only, when it's a very difficult subject to understand. <laughs> well, that probably, I can imagine, made you a pariah for a lot of folks. We're gonna come back and Tyler's gonna tell us about Moving away from only organic growing and towards genetic engineering has made him a pariah. We'll be right back. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Ganjapreneur will return. Ganjapreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Ganjapreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently 
to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose, and with us today is Tyler Markwart of Allele Seeds Research. We're talking about genetic modifying cannabis. So before the break, we were talking about your move from being a strictly an organic cannabis farmer, starting to in, get involved with research with genetically engineered cannabis. So does this technology to do this already exist? If you would explain specifically how one goes about inserting a foreign gene into the genome of a cannabis plant. Yeah, so there are not really that much genetic engineering happening right now with cannabis just because of the fact that cannabis is still a Schedule One substance in the United States. So the research capabilities are pretty slim as far as being able to modify the plant when we can barely even just, just research it in general. So there's hurdles to overcome that. But when we talk about genetically modifying plants in general, there's a multitude of different ways doing it. New technologies are coming out all the time. Uh, one of the original technologies was using a golden gun. And what that was is basically taking small balls of gold and laying DNA on them and basically shooting them into the plant and so that they would pierce through the cells and uh, place the DNA into the individual cells. This is kind of like a, a Hail Mary kind of technique where you're basically just injecting it and you're hoping it gets into the region that you want it to. So definitely not very direct. There are new technologies out that are far more direct. And we're looking at one of the new technologies that I think we discussed earlier today was called the CRISPR technology, where it can come in and edit um, DNA. So that's super new. Uh, but other ways are chemical induction through natural sources of kind of modifying the genome through radiation. When we talk about genetically engineering cannabis, We've kind of been doing it out of the laboratory in the underground for a long time with what's been called feminized seeds. So basically the way to take feminized, to make feminized seeds would be um, two ways. You can do it naturally by stressing the plant out by either letting it grow past its normal flowering period where it'll produce male flowers because the plant has the ability to kind of like this last chance pollinate itself to kind of survive in, in nature. Or you can use real silver, which is a chemical used made from silver that you apply on. And that basically changes the genome to male flowers. So you're genetically modifying it that way. And also another way you can manipulate with light or uh, mastication of the soil. There's a multitude of ways of doing it naturally. It's hard to talk about GMOs when you could do it naturally. People kind of get offended by that. Uh, to touch on something earlier, we talked about uh, the organic and GMO thing. You know, you have organic breeding, and that's how the organic standards come out. Then you have GM technologies, but at the same time, you can grow GM technology plants using organic methods. There isn't any law that says you can't apply bat guano to a cannabis plant that's been genetically modified. And so we can use those techniques together, and that's one of the things that I've been really promoting the most is finding the best of each. What technology can we take from biotech and GMO? What can we take from 
organic and how can we combine those to be the most successful in the fact that the producer can make an income and the consumer can get a product at an available cost that isn't exorbitant. That subtle difference between the growing method and how you create the strain, that right there provides such a kink to the debate. I mean, almost nothing I've read online even suggests that there's a difference. Everybody's talking about this kind of big bucket of GMOs and referring it as a one big thing, whereas what you're suggesting is like, okay, let's let's isolate the strain because we want to, you know, treat a particular disease or because we want it to use less water because we're in Southern California or something. Once you've isolated the strain, you're actually going to grow it, you know, in soil and without pesticides for the health of the plant itself. Yeah. And it goes beyond even that. I mean, when we talk about pesticides and fungicides and stuff, when we talk about Washington State, since we have recreational marijuana here, recreational marijuana, there's what's called the PCOL list. And that is the list of pesticides that's been approved for cannabis production in Washington State. And there's over 200 chemicals that have been approved. And this is basically based off of the organic agriculture. So a lot of these quote unquote chemicals are organic. For instance, Azimax is an organic chemical. In large doses, Azimax causes cancer in humans. So there are detrimental effects to organic. If we think about the term organic, arsenic is organic. It's an organic chemical. We have to be very careful in the terminology and how we use them and how we discuss that. And again, this is where the hysteria thing comes out. A lot of people are so fixated on Monsanto and so fixated on Roundup Ready that they literally group every single other technology with that. Every single other biotechnology or every other genetically modified organism instantaneously becomes like evil because it has some association to Monsanto, Cargill, Syngenta, whatever company you want to get out there, or Roundup. We have to get a better understanding of what they do, then we can get a better grasp on how we can debate them. You know, I'm one of those people who who talks against genetically modified food, and I've signed the petitions, and, you know, I kind of spread the message. And it wasn't until you and I met and I started thinking about, you know, genetic engineering from a more academic direction that I kind of had to start rethinking some of that. But in the end, I still don't want to eat genetically modified food because of the unknown. And it's like, okay if I eat this particular thing and it's being genetically engineered, I don't know how it's going to interact with my body and, and it could do something bad. So you probably know the potential bad things that could happen more than anybody because you're researching it. So, you know, if we were talking worst case scenarios, you know, if, if we were to start genetically modifying cannabis, what are things that could go wrong, even if they're unlikely and theoretical? Like, what is the monster that people are afraid of that you're saying isn't going to happen? When you think about it, nature generally takes care of everything in, in its own sense and way. So if people are concerned about outcrossings and outbreedings and stuff like that, if it's a beneficial advantage for the plant to have that genetic coding, and that's, again, when we think about what this is, is it's just a code. Your genes is like a computer code. It's like a zero, one, zero. Instead of zeros and ones, it's C, G, T, and A. So it's a coding, and if we transfer that code from one plant to another or we do something, it's, you know, it, it may be really beneficial, and the plant may be, become benefit from that. So we have to what, get a really good understanding of the technology and what we're doing and how we're doing it before anything else really advances. I really cannot press how much 
the importance of how these things are approved. So when you look at the approval of a genetically modified organism, it's, it goes through the same process an organic, uh, organically proved produce product would come through. So if the technology, for instance, BT, which is Bacillus thuringiensis, is a soil-borne bacteria that is, the genetic code has been inserted into corn, that certain pests, when they bite into the corn, basically can't reproduce and they die. And so the reason it was approved for agricultural use was because BT is used in organic agriculture. And what the USDA and the EPA went did is they said, if this chemical is approved for organic agriculture, then it must be safe for use in this technology also. And so they did trial runs and they did a bunch of research on it and they found that 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 is the conclusion and that's basically how they're going to go how they've continued to go through approving these technologies is, is saying if this technology already exists then then it should get fast fast track approval at the top of your answer though you said that you know nature has a way to to suss out what it needs and what's safe but when we're doing a direct insertion into the genetic line doesn't that get rid of the natural barriers because the whole thing that the reason that that nature takes care of itself is because it's got generation after generation of slow hybridization whereas what what we're talking about here is a quick fix and so nature doesn't really have its chance to play its role as 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 quality assurance well unfortunately nature also doesn't um, keep a steady path in, in how things happen Things abruptly happen through nature, whether it's a volcano coming through and destroying everything, a hurricane, a comet from outer space, dropping new types of material on Earth. Things happen, things change. And so we have to be prepared for those changes. And GM technologies kind of allow us an extra tool in the shed to be prepared for those. And if we were to make changes in a plant and to see that it has a beneficial outcome, and like I said before, if nature was to take care of it, we would see, you know, a detrimental effects happen immediately, and we're not basically seeing that. The whole thing with the the Monsanto and the and the the Roundup Ready thing is, people are saying, oh, you know, it's causing all these issues. Well, before that, what what did we have? We had a whole boatload of horrible other issues from conventional agriculture. So as we use these technologies, we're going further and further forward to to being able to make different changes in agriculture for the benefit. Right on. Well, we need to take another short break. Uh, we will be right back with Tyler Markwart. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Ganjapreneur will return. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. 
InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Ganjapreneurs grow. You're listening to Ganjapreneur only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to the Ganjapreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Lose. We've been speaking with Tyler Marquardt of Allele Seeds Research about genetically engineered cannabis. So Tyler, we talked a lot about the different applications that genetically engineered cannabis could have and what it looks like right now big strides forwards that are happening. Well, you know, as cannabis becomes legalized across the country and we move towards normalization, lots of folks are going to want to capitalize on this technology and uh, develop their own strains of cannabis. What do you see coming over the horizon as far as intellectual property and how genetic engineering could be uh, leveraged in this way? Well, it's really going to be interesting as far as figuring out kind of uh, proprietary plants for companies and stuff like that, where people are going to be trying to uh, employ a lot of intellectual property techniques because you can't patent a plant. And that's why a lot of these companies don't have, uh, you know, like corn as their, that's their plant. You can't, and nobody else can have it. So as cannabis kind of evolves into a legal commodity, we're going to see people putting a lot of money into research to get information out of this. We've already seen the cannabis genome start to be uh, sequenced, and that was done in 2011, folks in Canada, I believe. What they did was they sequenced purple kush and compared that to phenola, which is a hemp strain, and they saw a lot of compar- uh, a lot of similarities between the two plants. And what they noticed was the difference between the two was the expression levels of the genes. So, for instance, if you have a genetic code for THC or CBD, whatever it is, the level at which that code expresses itself is what makes the plant phenotype and what makes you these variations in the plant vary. So as we move along, we're going to be able to tag by adding genetic certain sections of coding that'll be specific. So for instance, if the, you created a genetics biotech company called you know Shangolos Biotech, you literally could create a strain, Shango strain, and you could insert a specific genetic code that only you know and only you have the code for into the plant somewhere in its genetic code. There's a lot of genetics uh, sections that don't really play major roles in the plant. 
And so you could insert it in there. You would then be able to sell your seed and say, this is Shango's strain. And if somebody tried to rip you off, you could then say, no, this is not Shango's strain. I tested it. It did not test positive for my genetics or my flag. You could also sue them if they planted your seeds and used them for breeding without your consent. And by saying, hey, I put years of effort into developing this this specific strain, and you're basically just ripping it off and selling it. So that's what we're seeing with the market, agriculture market today. And I expect to see the same thing with cannabis in the next few years with proprietary strains and technologies. I can see how pharmaceutical companies would be very cozy with that business model. Say, for example, they develop a cannabis strain that works really well with Alzheimer's. And so they tag it. And then for X amount of years, that particular genetic trait that they that they plugged in, no one else can do that. And they'd be the only folks being able to sell that strain for Alzheimer's patients. I guess while I understand intellectual property, I'd like to at least think that there would be multiple different ways to engineer the plant so that more than one person would have a monopoly on a cure like that. And there is, there absolutely is. And the beautiful thing about it too is um, all people are wired completely different. So what works for you may not work for me. And that goes with cannabis and pharmaceuticals and all other types of medicines. Personally, myself, I don't care for uh, sativas. I'm already pretty high strung and run around. I don't need the help from, from them to, to get there. I prefer an indica. So with this, you know, that it may work on a bunch of people. It may work on some people. And, and it also comes down to we see that you know not one chemical seems to have that that benefit of just applying oh only CBD is the one that does it or only THC is the one that cures my uh, my headaches or stops my headaches. It's really that entourage effect that DeRusso was talking about. That's the oh, the hurdle for the pharmaceutical model and the pharmaceutical company is is that entourage effect. How do they control that and, and get it consistent when you when as a human you don't want consistency you want variation in your endocannabinoid system. Before we wrap up here, what advantages might you know traditional um, hybridization have over genetic engineering? You know, if we if we set aside the concern that folks, including me, have regarding you know the genetically engineered cannabis being out on the market under tested and something could happen wrong somehow in my body from using it. Is there is there something that you can call out that genetic engineering just won't be able to capture that selective breeding uh, can claim as an advantage? Cost. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very, very, very expensive to do uh, genetic engineering, and it is not very expensive to open breed. If I take uh, five, five different males of the same strain and, and put them in one field and, and breed them with a thousand different uh, females from different strains, you're going to get a huge variety of different mutations, a huge variety of different types of genetic profiles. Uh, and again, with the genetic engineering, it really allows you to dial in your outcome a little bit easier and better. If you want a purple plant that smells like oranges, it grows one feet tall, it flowers in 45 days, these are all accomplished, can be accomplished with genetic engineering. It just depends on how big your checkbook is. Well, that's a big sell right at the end, Tyler. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Tyler. Tyler Marquardt is founder of Allele Seeds Research. Tyler says if you want to reach him, you can shoot him an email. His email is tylerjmarquardt at gmail.com. That's T-Y-L-E-R. 
J M A R K W A R T at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Thank you for having me on the show today, Shango. You can find the Gontrepreneur.com podcast right here on the Cannabis Radio Network website. You can also subscribe to the podcast in the Apple iTunes store, or you can listen and read interview transcriptions on our home website at Gontrepreneur.com. Keep up to date on the latest daily cannabis news and events at Gontrepreneur.com. Thanks to Brasco for producing our show. I'm your host, Shango Los. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 